Hi folks, I'm Tilden Reamer-Leach, and you're listening to Forces That Move Us, Lost Homes and Solutions Amidst the Chaos. Here I am walking onto my flight from Miami to Quito, Ecuador. I was so nervous. <laughs> Here I was actually doing it. A year earlier, I'd applied for a research grant with the National Geographic Society. I wanted to interview people in Ecuador who had lost their homes, their livelihoods, and their communities because of environmental disasters, both natural and human-made. I wanted to hear their stories firsthand. And I wanted other people to hear their stories too. So I thought creating a podcast in both English and Spanish would be a great way to make this actually happen. Surprisingly, National Geographic actually gave me the grant. I still can't believe it. <laughs> and now I was calling myself a National Geographic Explorer, which is my official title, but I loved saying it to people before I left for Ecuador because they would always give me these sort of sideways glances as if to say, Okay, I don't, I don't really believe you. You're a young 20-something girl. What can you do? <laughs> Their looks always made me chuckle because I was right there with them, filled with my own self-doubts. But I knew, or I hoped at least, that I would prove them wrong. While studying at the University of Vermont, I conducted research under geography professor Pablo Bose, whose work ranges from refugee resettlement policy in the U.S. to environmental displacement worldwide. Under his guidance, I created my first podcast series called Grounded, Stories of Refugee Resettlement in Vermont, which you can find on iTunes if you're interested, and I'll post a link on my website. It told the stories of how diverse groups of refugees, from people from South Sudan, Bosnia, to Vietnam, how they all adapted to life in rural, cold Vermont. When I heard these stories, I noticed that people kept mentioning their friends and family who they had to leave behind in refugee camps, or those still trapped inside war-torn countries. After all, less than 1% of global refugees ever get resettled in a third-party country. The reality of it all sounded agonizing and unjust, to say the least. From my research with Dr. Bose, I knew that people don't just get displaced or lose their homes because of war and violence. 
there are a whole host of other factors, specifically environmental factors, such as earthquakes, extractive industries like mining and petroleum drilling, and climate change itself, which all threaten people's livelihoods on a daily basis. What happens to their lives? How do they make sense of it? And most importantly, what creative solutions have they found to rebuild their very existence? It seems to me that environmental disasters are only going to increase in the years and decades to come. Yet people aren't talking about it. People aren't talking about the fact that those who have lost their homes because of environmental factors don't qualify for the same type of international assistance as refugees. Or that people who have been displaced within their own country, instead of fleeing to another country, do not have the same international rights. And looking beyond all of that, what are we going to do about it? It seems to me like now is the time to figure out strategies to solve these global problems before it's too late. my stomach did somersaults. I wasn't sure if it was because of nerves or because of the turbulence. I wanted to scream alongside the little kid seated a few rows back. What was I doing? <laughs> All I had was an address of a house in Quito and the agreement that I would volunteer with a local Ecuadorian nonprofit called Fundación Raíz or an English Roots Foundation, which would help give me access to the types of people I wanted to interview. But beyond that, I was just gonna sort of see what stories I could find. But looking past my nerves, I knew that the idea of adventure and the possibility of making a real difference had always been my internal driving force. And there is no time like the present to start living your dreams. I reminded myself of a quote by the Buddha that states, there are only two mistakes one can make along the road to truth, not going all the way and not starting. hailed a cab outside, making sure to bargain for a cheaper price before speeding off. I was glad somebody had warned me the taxi drivers try to rip off unsuspecting foreigners by asking for exorbitant rates for rides from the airport. But I had arrived. I had arrived in a place that always lived inside of me, but that I had somehow just forgotten. 
You see, I lived in Ecuador for two years growing up as a child, when I was five and six years old. And beyond this childhood connection, I knew Ecuador was a country with a diverse set of issues and topography that could give me a good sense of the different types of environmental displacement that people are facing around the world. And it would help my listeners to see issues of climate change as uniquely local, while also applicable to other countries on a global scale. After several wrong turns <laughs> and a few pleasantries exchanged with my taxi cab driver, I arrived at the bamboo house where I would be staying in Quito. <laughs> Going to sleep that night, I didn't know what I would find in the morning, let alone during the year ahead of me, in this exciting, dynamic, and sometimes contradictory country. What I found was shocking. Over the course of my year in Ecuador, I bounced around from the northwestern coast to the cloud forest, from the Andean highlands to the Amazon jungle. Each area presented its own unique set of questions and challenges. I asked myself and those I met, how is home and livelihood imagined and then reimagined once you lose it? What is the effect of displacement on people's emotional, economic, and spiritual relationship to the environment? There were so many questions, and I wanted the answers. But I soon realized I wouldn't find one right answer to any of them. Instead, the answers would change based on who I talked to, how much they had lost, and the various discriminations they have faced. Turns out, the answers lie in the eye of the beholder. But the stories that I did find went beyond anything I could have ever imagined. You come in with an idea of what it is, and then you take a million pictures, and you go home, and you tell all your friends all the great things you did. But what happened to the people? You know, like, we're talking about real people here. This is their lives. This is their culture. This is their community. This is their future, their past, their history, everything. One crazy man started to yell, tsunami, tsunami, here comes the waves, the waves. Since we live close to the ocean, we started to run, we ran, we ran, and in the middle of running, we lost track of one of our kids, the smallest one of them all. I yelled, Sofia, Sofia, and we heard ahead of us. Papi, mami, here I am. She was already ahead of all of us. She was the first one. Huh?
I needed to demand my rights for accusing me illegally. It's not fair. No es justo de la acusación que ellos me hicieron. Y cuando me detuvieron, me detuvieron diciéndome que... They accused me unfairly, and they arrested me on unfounded charges. They didn't present any documentation for my arrest. Rebel rebellions or rebels are, are not a, a good thing to have, but sometimes it's good to have one or two thrown in the, in the pot for good measure <laughs> to keep even the honest people honest. of these individuals, and so many more, have shown me through their stories that humans have the capacity to overcome seemingly unsurmountable obstacles. How alike we are in the most fundamental ways, and the importance of maintaining our individual and shared sense of dignity. This year has also made me deeply untrusting and skeptical of people's intentions. Well, at the same time, and somewhat paradoxically, deeply committed to seeing the good in this world. I met people who took advantage of folks who recently lost their homes. But I also met people living on the brink of destitution, who welcomed me into their homes and fed me what little they had. Now I feel deeply grounded in the understanding that there is a potential for both good and evil in each one of us, and that most of the world inhabits some shade of gray. I wanted to give you an outline of what you can expect from the episodes on this podcast. The first thing you'll notice is that there's an English and a Spanish version of each episode. The two versions of the podcast cover the same themes, but some episodes may include different interviewees or even different stories. In the Spanish version, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Victoria Castro, an amazing Ecuadorian friend and journalist who helped me interpret these stories for an Ecuadorian audience and give local context and insight into the issues I discuss. First, we'll go to the coast of Ecuador, which was turned into rubble after an earthquake in 2016. We'll meet people who ran for their lives, only to settle in makeshift camps. And we'll meet the people who brought bamboo and new ideas of emergency assistance to help them rebuild. In the cloud forest, we'll hear from people who outsmarted a large copper mining company, but who may not be able to prevent their own government from taking the ground from under their feet. In the Amazon jungle, we will learn about an indigenous tribe that is committed to keeping their ancestral spirits alive, even with gunshots and bulldozers overhead. And finally, we'll look beyond our lifetimes at the hope that remains locked 
in our world's quickly melting ice sheets. These stories and the tragedies and hopes they reveal may sound quite different, but there's a bigger story that holds them together. It's the story of why. Why should we care? I mean, these are stories taking place in Ecuador, right? Halfway around the world. How does it affect you? I think the West wants easy answers, but the real world doesn't oblige. Most of us live in a world where the rich feel they are above the system and the poor feel entirely left out. Yet our actions and inactions touch people we may never know and never meet across the globe. Knowingly or unknowingly, we show the world who we are through our actions. I think it is important to acknowledge that the Western world has had an enormous historical and present-day impact on the devastating environmental positions of other countries across the globe. You know, what is the moral obligation of Western nations to address environmentally induced displacement that is not in our own backyard? And how can development organizations and displacement relief workers work together to rebuild communities? One thing that I learned over the course of my year in Ecuador is that there are a lot of forces that move us. Some are forces of nature, some are man-made, and some are within us. Martin Luther King Jr. said in one of his last speeches that power without love is reckless and abusive. Love without power is sentimental. The world needs both. This got me thinking. The question really then is, how to combine power and love into action. How to foster the forces that move us. Forces that move us is for listeners who seek simple truths while recognizing that today's problems are complex and often require equally complex solutions. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information and photos from the stories on this podcast, please go to www.forcesthatmoveus.com. If you would like to listen to a Spanish version of this podcast, please search Lo Que Nos Mueve on iTunes or by going to our website. In the Spanish podcast, we cover the same themes, but sometimes the content is different. I'll also post a link in the show notes. Thank you to the National Geographic Society for supporting the production of this podcast. And thank you to Alex Alviar for the lovely intro music. 
You can find the full album by searching Equatorial on Spotify. Other music in this podcast includes 